0: Warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and I want to start with a passage right from Romans chapter 1. I love this verse. 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. And today is all about gospel. We're going to talk to Jeff Ferdorn today as we continue our series called Who Is This Jesus? And today, this is gospel, gospel, gospel gospel all day long. And Jeff, welcome to the show. Hi, Bill. Uh, Yeah, we are in series, uh, our series on who is this Jesus. I think this is episode number eight. Mm -hmm. And for our Spanish listening crowd, this would be Ocho.
1: Ocho? Ocho. Ocho. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Ocho. I didn't say my, I didn't say I was good at pronouncing. (laughs) I think it's Ocho, right? Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, Ocho. Ocho, yes. Ocho, yes. Nueve, diez, once, doce, trece, catorce, anyway. Sorry. Yeah, nice job. Yeah, nice job. Yeah, I think I can go to twenty. Really? Maybe thirty. Oh, come on. Yes. Now I you're think now I can. you're showing off. I can say hi and and goodbye and <laughs> and where's the bathroom? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: Okay. Well, let's uh do some review because I this is kind of the nice time in the uh series where we just remind people where we've been and where we're going.
1: Yeah. So who is this Jesus, this series that we have been doing for the last, uh, well, seven times, if this is the eighth time we've uh, been doing part of this series, we started looking at Jesus basically from beginning to end. And that's what we're going to do here from actually before the beginning till after the end, because, of course, Jesus is the eternal God in the flesh. So in the first sessions, we looked at Jesus as being part of creation, that he is God. So when it says in Genesis, in the beginning, God created in the heavens and the earth, the New Testament revelation is that it's through Christ that everything that has been made was made. Uh, So he is God. He is part of this Trinity. God has appeared in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the And the Holy Spirit. We then looked at Jesus in the Old Testament. Yes, Jesus appears in the Old Testament. We call these Christophanies, where the physical Jesus makes an appearance prior to his incarnation in the Old Testament. So, for example, when Jacob wrestled with God, I believe that was a picture of Jesus, the physical Jesus as God wrestling with Jacob. We also looked at all the Old Testament prophecies. Christ. So in the Bible, in the Old Testament, all of which were written more than 400 years before Jesus was born, there are about 90, 86 to 90 unique, individual, direct prophecies for the coming of the Messiah. And so we looked at a number of those and that they were exactly fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. We then looked at his incarnation. What, is, what was the significance of being born to the virgin? So he did not inherit the sin from Adam. He was the son of God, the son of man from God. God made the body of Jesus in the womb of the virgin. So he did not inherit that sin nature from Adam like all the rest of us do. That was the significance of being born of the virgin. And yet Jesus, while God, was just as much a man as we are. So we talked about the humanity of Jesus, and yet he never ceased to be God. Then we talked about the significance of the cross, his atoning work on the cross, that he died for sin, for all sin, for everyone's sin. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We talked about where he went when he died. He descended into Hades for three days and three nights. And yet last time we saw this and covered this incredible truth, that the grave could not hold him. Death could not keep its hold on him, Acts 2 says. It was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And he rose from the grave in his glorified, resurrected body. And then, of course, in Acts chapter 1, ascended up to heaven. And so that resurrection and the centrality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which there is no Christianity without the resurrection of Jesus Christ— And then finally, last time we talked about if Christ has been raised, so too we will be raised. We will receive a glorified body just like Christ. That is part of our inheritance. That's our glorification. So that's what we've covered so far today. That's awesome. Thank you for
0: that recap of Mm -hmm. where we've been over the last seven uh, episodes in this series. And this series is called Who Is This Jesus? And now we are in our eighth segment, and we're going to... Going to talk about the gospel all day today, and I love it.
1: Yeah, so if last time we talked about the resurrection and the centrality of the resurrection to Christianity, because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that without the resurrection, our faith is futile. We are still dead in our trespasses and sin. So this truth of the resurrection of Christ is at the heart of Christianity, and it's at the heart of the message of the gospel that we are to proclaim to the world. So the gospel is defined very clearly in Scripture at the very beginning of 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says this, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I have preached to you, which you have received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you were saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you've believed in vain. For what I received, Paul received this gospel, I pass on to you of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, although some have fallen asleep. So that's the four components of the gospel so whenever you hear the word gospel it's it's actually we need to reclaim the true definition of this word gospel uh, within Christianity because I hear it bantered about like oh we, we need to live uh, you know with the with the gospel in mind or we need to live like the gospel or we need to the, the gospel is a truth declaration. That Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that Christ died, he was buried, he rose again, and he appeared to many. Mm -hmm. And that gospel, you read from Romans earlier, I'm going to read from Romans 10 now, that says this. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one who they have not heard? And how can they hear unless someone preaches to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet who bring good news but not all Israel accepted the good news for Isaiah says the Lord has believed Lord who has believed our message consequently faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ that is what we need to believe in order to be saved so you read it first Romans I'm sorry, Romans 1.16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So two definitions here on that passage. First, the gospel. In the Greek, this Greek word simply means the good message or the good news. That is what Paul is saying. This is the good news. Here's the really, in fact, the gospel is really good news. This good news of Christ's death for sin, burial, and resurrection, this good news needs to be believed, the Greek word there is pistouio, to believe it's true and to entrust for salvation. This is very important. This Greek word believe, pistouio, has two components. You need to believe it's true the truth of this statement that Christ died, was buried, and rose again, but you also have this component of entrusting in him for your salvation. Mm. That's the fullness of biblical
0: salvation. So good. Jeff Verdorn is my guest. We're continuing our series on
1: who is this Jesus, and today is Everything Gospel. So, but you need to hear that, Right. Someone needs to hear it, just as Romans 10, 9 says, how can they believe unless they hear it? And how can they hear it unless someone preaches it? Preaches what? Preaches the gospel. So if you, it's, I'm an ex-systems guy, so I used to flowchart everything, right? So you have the gospel. It needs to be preached. Someone needs to hear it. Then there's this decision point. When a person hears the gospel, they're either going to believe it's true and entrust for their salvation, or they're going to reject it this gospel. And if they believe it's true at this decision point, if they believe, then God will save them and pour out his salvation on them. He will move them from death to life, give them eternal life, make them a child of God, redeem them, forgive them, give them the holy spirit of God, seal them with the holy spirit and give him give them an inheritance that can never spoil, perish or fade, kept in heaven for them. Jeff, what about
0: this when the person might say, "Well, I don't believe, but I don't not believe, but I did rake my neighbor's you know lawn <laughs> yesterday, so I'm, I'm a good person." Well, that would be salvation by works, then, right? So, well, if, you, if okay, if my good deeds outweigh my bad, and there's a good
1: God in heaven, and there's a good place, I should go there. Yeah, this is a common. Um, Kind of understanding of God on how, what is his criteria for letting people into heaven? Because when you think about it, pretty much everything on earth is given to us based on what we do, right? So we, we get a star in school because we're a good boy. We get a, a good grade because we studied and did well on a test. We get a diploma because we worked hard and we graduated. We get a job or promotion or the salesman of the year award. And everything in this life we receive by what we do. Mm-hmm. And by the way, when we do wrong, we get punished. We get the 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 red X. We get uh, a fine, We get a demotion. We get whatever all because we do bad. And so this idea is, as long as I'm doing enough good, I'll move our advance in this world, and if I do bad, I won't. We bring that attitude to God and think, oh, God must work the same way. Mm -hmm. If we just have our good outweigh the bad, then he'll look upon us with enough favor and let us in. The problem with that is, it's not us who set the criteria for getting into heaven. It's God's heaven. He... Gets to set the criteria for who gets to enter. And you know what he said? He said, I wish nobody should perish. I hope that everyone will be saved. And I've done everything for that salvation. I sent my son because I love the world so much that he died for the sins of the world and whosoever believes will be saved. And so we need to come to God in faith, not by works. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says it's by grace we have been saved through faith, not by works, so that we can't boast. Paul says in Romans that when a man works, his wages are credited to him for what he's done. But salvation is not a wage paid to those who do good. Mm -hmm. It's a free gift of God. That's what grace is all about. Mm. We're
0: going to step Uh, aside just for a minute and take a short uh, break, but Jeff Verdorn is my guest. We're continuing our series called Who Is This Jesus? And today is Everything Gospel. If you need clarification on anything you've heard, or maybe you have a question, we'd love to hear it. The text line is open, 877-933-2484. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. The
1: way they keep on telling me time and time again,
0: boy, you never win. You never
1: win. But the voice of truth. Tells me a different story.
0: I am in studio with my friend Jeff Verdorn, and we're continuing our series on Who Is This Jesus? And we're going to talk uh, now about proclaiming the gospel fearlessly. And I always mm. think of Ephesians six nineteen, and I, I think of this first often when I walk into the studio. Pray also for me, Paul says that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the
1: gospel. Perfect passage. That's my in my notes. That's the next line in my notes. Ah, okay, actually. I stepped, you, I stepped you, on your toes. No, no, that that is exactly. We're thinking that, alike. which We is are. Good. That means we are thinking yep. alike. So, the, look. The, we so we talked about what is the gospel? The definition of the gospel? The power of the gospel unto salvation for the, all all those who believe. Now I want to turn to this proclamation of the gospel. You know, I did a study of Acts a oh, number of years ago. One of the things that I notice is there's seven great speeches in Acts. So there's Peter in Acts chapter 2 before the crowd at Pentecost. There's Peter in Acts chapter 3 at the temple, and he's speaking to a large crowd. There's Stephen to the Sanhedrin in Acts 7 when he's being stoned. There's Peter at, or, or right before he is stoned. There's Peter at Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10. Paul in the synagogue in Acts 13, Paul in Athens in Acts 17, and then finally Paul before Agrippa in Acts 26. They are all great speeches, but do you know what the one message they have in common? And that is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the gospel. Seems to me that if the seven great speeches in Acts all have one central message— That's probably a message that the church today should be primarily concerned with, and that is the proclamation of the gospel. And as you said in Ephesians 6, Paul even asked the Ephesians to pray for him that he might proclaim this truth of the gospel fearlessly. Now, you wonder why Paul needed boldness or to have prayed, because when you preach the gospel— Especially in the first century, but even in this world today, there is a possibility that you are going to be persecuted uh in some way for your proclamation. If you remember Paul in Athens, he starts talking about the resurrection of Christ, and they basically say, What is this babbler saying here? Mm-hmm. Stephen talking about the res the the life uh, that the Jews killed Jesus, his death and burial and resurrection. The Jews didn't like that message and they ended up stoning Stephen. So you can get persecuted for proclaiming this truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I think that's why Paul says, pray that I might declare it fearlessly as uh, I should. So I have a kind of a question or just a discussion in the next couple minutes about talking about, well, why? Why don't we as Christians today who've received the greatest gift possible through faith in Christ, this gift of eternal life, why don't we share it more? I mean, I know a couple of people that are always sharing the gospel to just about everybody they meet. You know, they're in a sandwich line at a restaurant, and they're giving people a My Story track and telling them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's like, wow, but why don't the rest of us share Christ and the gospel more? So I think one is fear. We just talked about this. Fear of persecution. Fear of ridicule. Fear of looking, oh, you're not one of those Jesus thumpers, are you? I mean, I had an uncle. I used to talk to him all the time. And and he would call me a Bible thumper and a Jesus freak. And mm-hmm. and uh, he would finally end the conversation. He says, well, I've got friends in both places. I don't care where I'm going to go. <laughs> And uh, But he, he always kind of looked down at me whenever I started talking about Jesus, right? I think knowledge is another reason why people are hesitant. Um, they don't know Scripture very well. They don't maybe know how to answer all of the, the criticisms of Christianity or the critiques or the attacks on it. They don't want to look foolish. Uh, what if someone asked me a question that I don't know how to answer, And so I think it's just a lack of knowledge or a lack of preparation that people don't share their faith and the truth of the gospel. Now, now God tells us always be prepared to give an account for the hope that is within us, right? We, at a minimum, have the hope of eternal life and we should, at a minimum, let people know, hey, I've got eternal life. I've got the hope of heaven and here's why. And so God says to be prepared for that. Number three, I think another reason is worthiness or or the lack of feeling worthy. You know, God says that he's made us saints and he's called us to live like saints. He's called us to live holy. But we all know that we don't live up to that calling perfectly. Um, I've asked this question of classes for 20 years. I said, how many of you are living out your calling, you know, perfectly? And I'm <laughs> to this so far, no one has ever raised their mm-hmm. hand. Because we all know that we we fall short of living this life that God has called us to live. And 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 that's okay. We all fall short. The only person who didn't fall short was Jesus Himself, who lived perfectly in this world by faith every day of his life. All the rest of us, we live a little short. But because we feel like oh, dare I say hypocrites a little bit where we know we're not living up to the words of the Bible that we've been studying. And so we, we just feel like we're not worthy to proclaim this truth to others. And yet God says you are qualified to do that very mm-hmm. thing. So we should. I think another reason why we don't share is just kind of laziness. I mean, I've shared Christ with people on planes often. Mm-hmm. But there's also been days where it's like, oh, I'm tired. I just want to watch a movie. I don't really want to talk to this person. And I just, I get lazy. Mm-hmm. And so I don't start up the conversation. Sometimes it's work to start up a conversation with a stranger on a plane or wherever. And it's just easier to not. And so I think it's laziness. I think this is my biggest excuse if if I'm to point a finger back at me. I think that's my biggest big excuse. I just, I get lazy. And it's like, ah, I don't really want to talk to this person today. I just want to watch a movie and take a nap, you know? Yeah. You can
0: always say something which might lead into a conversation. You don't have to, you know, look at each person as a project. Like I have to present the entire gospel. Maybe you're planting a seed by saying, um, I was with my family yesterday and we had the most beautiful blessing. Um, and you leave it at that. Yeah. And they go, blessing. What happened? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, we went to church and and we had this moment, um, you know, you just describe what your family life was like and, and they get in,
1: they get interested. They do. And, and Christians, I think many Christians are good at dropping those kind of, oh yeah, I'm just very blessed. And, and, you know, my, you know, my kids went to Christian school. So I'll often say something about my family or if someone asks about my kids or my family, I almost always say they went to a Christian school nice. and, you know, bring that kind of stuff up. So, yeah, there are ways to kind of put little seeds in there a little bit. But, but in the end, um, and, and, you know, hopefully we are living differently in this world. I'm sure many Christians who are listening now have had <laughs> some kind of experience like this mm-hmm. where someone comes up to them and say, hey, what's, what's, your, what's your, your deal? Why do you just seem happy all the time? Mm-hmm. Why Things just seem to go well for you. What, what's the secret to the peace that you seem to have mm-hmm. all the time? And and I'm sure somebody has asked, you know, almost all Christians that question in some way, shape, or form over their Christian walk. Or if you
0: host a radio show and people ask you what you do, <laughs> you say, well, I host a Christian radio show. We can talk about Jesus now or we can talk about him later. You pick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, a, that's a good lead in, yeah, when they ask you about what you do. So, mm-hmm.
0: yeah all right, I, Jeff, we need to actually take a break here in a minute. so I don't want to get too far uh, into our next uh, segment on this uh, discussion of the gospel, which is so good and it is a great reminder to all of us that maybe simple uh, expressions of faith, they don't have to be uh, the four spiritual laws. you can you can say something which might cast a net or plant a seed and see how they follow up. Absolutely. You just never, never know. Uh, but.
1: It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time.
0: Let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah.
1: What's for dinner? Yeah. It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno.
0: We are talking gospel today. It makes me very happy. My guest is Jeff Verdorn, and we're continuing our series on "Who Is This Jesus?" and we are uh, all about the gospel today, which has mm-hmm. been great. Um, so, where do we go from here, Jeff? Because I, have... I completely forgot after, <laughs> <laughs> after our conversation you during were thinking the break about
1: what's for dinner. Right? I Even was from thinking the song. about what's for dinner. Yeah, yeah I'm, a I'm having pot roast tonight. Nice. Yeah. I've got a couple family members coming over, and we're having pot roast. So how long does that pot roast stay in the oven? Well, I think hours, it was I in hope. the crock pot when I l- left at about noon today. Okay. So yeah, it's going to be ooh, nice tender. and tender, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm hungry. All right. So we are going to talk this list of the descriptions that God describes Christians as that are kind of uh, uh, proclaiming names. These are words or descriptions... Um, that are used in scripture, that Christians are called, and they give us a clue as to what we're supposed to do as each of these words are used. So let's let's walk through this. So the first one is that God calls us ambassadors. I love this term ambassadors because it says in, in 2 Corinthians 5, for example, we're ambassadors of Christ as if Christ were making his appeal through us. We, as ambassadors, are not supposed to speak on our own accord, but that which our president or our king or our god cuz we're this is a heavenly kingdom wants us to speak on his behalf that's what ambassadors do they don't speak on their own behalf but on behalf of the country that they're representing we represent heaven we are citizens of heaven did you know that we are heavenonians yeah i do know that yeah heavenonians mm-hmm. we're yeah. heavenonians that's our first and primary citizenship is heavenly and god says that we are ambassadors And so he wants to make his appeal to the world through us ambassadors. Um, The next one is Jesus said, come and I will make you fishers of men. We're fishermen. What does a fisherman do? They cast out and try to catch fish. And that's exactly the picture of the gospel. We are casting the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and hope that someone bites and accepts it and becomes saved. I also like Acts one chapter 8, and Luke writes in Acts, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, Acts 1, 8. So we are witnesses, just like a witness in a court of law is called to testify about what they've known or what they've seen or what they've heard. We know and seen, well, we haven't seen it and heard it, but we've read about this resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we are supposed to be witnesses to that. Now, one of the tactics in a court of law that's commonly used is the opposite attorney will always try to discredit the witness to harm their testimony. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know who that prosecuting attorney, that the enemy himself, Satan, is is the opposing attorney here, and he's always trying to discredit the witnesses. So we want to live a life holy and pleasing to God so that we don't discredit our witness. You see what I'm saying? So we want to be credible witnesses, so we should be trying to live out this Christian walk as best as possible, not damaging our witness. Mm -hmm. We are called firefighters. Well, we're actually not called firefighters. It says that we are to snatch others from the fire and save them, Jude one twenty three. But who does that? Firemen do that. So we are to snatch people from the flames. You know, lost people are really prisoners. They are They are held prisoners by the enemy, by the world, by the flesh, by the devil. And we need to come and rescue them. Now, we can't force anybody to be rescued, but we can give them that line, that ladder, that rope, that net, that whatever, that hand, that life ring, whatever your metaphor, mm-hmm. and say, hey, if you believe, you will be saved. They're enslaved in sin. Mm-hmm. They are. And the
0: power of sin to be broken in their lives is only through Christ. Correct.
1: We are farmers. Now, we're not called farmers again. We, <laughs> we are farmers who go and sow. This is the meaning of the parable of the seed. The seed is the gospel. The soil is the word of God, and we are to spread this seed out. So we're farmers. I've always wanted to be a farmer. Really? Yeah, farmers. We're new. It's a nonstop job. It it is. I've never been a farmer. I've always been a suburban boy. I know. But farmers—they never—they never never have a day off. They don't. No.
0: And thank you for the work you do as farmers, because we get to eat. That's right. You are so
1: appreciated, and we love you so much. So thank you. I do. I love farms and farmers. I do, too. Um, we are newscasters. We bring the good news, Romans ten fifteen. We are workers of the harvest. So it says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest here is the harvest of souls. It's the salvation of souls. And God says the workers are few. That's sad. Every single Christian believer should be a worker participating in the harvest of God, of the souls of the world. And we do that by sending the workers out into the harvest field. To do what? Proclaim the gospel. We are evangelists. Do the work of an evangelist, Second Timothy 4, 5. We are proclaimers. Proclaim the gospel of Christ, Romans 15. Um, we are light in this world. Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. I think this gets back to that, what we were talking about earlier, that when people see your life, do they see someone different? Do they see you as this bright light in an otherwise dark world? And if they do, someone just may ask you, man, what is your secret? And I think that's what being light is all about. So those are some of the ways that the New Testament describes us, all of us as believers, who are supposed to be participating as as newscasters as ambassadors as witnesses as firefighters as farmers going out into this world to save people I love that description I love all those uh uh occupations you just discussed Yeah so we're all of those We're all of those yeah We are every single one of them And they're just I got to add some occupations to my resume Uh-oh. yeah Oh you're going to add these Yeah, yeah why I... not if you're saying we're well, all of these, Jeff, then I'm going to it's going to be a very crammed business card. That's a that's a great point. We should all put all of these on our business cards. Mm-hmm. I like that. So now what about some tools to use? We know we are these things, and I think we equip ourselves to prepare to uh preach the gospel by studying God's word, obviously. And I think the more you study God's word, the more you're going to want to share what you've learned in God's in God's word from scripture. Um, I think when you study something, look, what you spend your time on, you tend to talk about with other people. So if you spend most of your time watching sports, you're probably going to be talking sports all the time with people. If you spend most of your time watching politics, you're probably going to discuss politics with people. If you spend a good amount of your time studying the things of God and his salvation Chances are you're going to spend some time discussing those things with other people. Mm -hmm. Jeff, I'll also throw in the mix that if you watch a lot of
0: sports, you might spend a lot of time talking sports to other people. In other words, you've maybe built some bridges and relationships with other sports-minded people of which you now have an
1: audience with. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, not, that was—I was not hinting in any way, shape, or form, don't watch sports of or do follow politics. No, of course not. It's just where do you spend the vast majority of your time? You know, there's an old adage that if you were put on trial for your faith, mm-hmm. would you be found guilty? Is there enough evidence to find you guilty? Is That's there a great question. Evidence? Yeah. Is there enough evidence? Have enough people—would they be able to come and testify and say, you know that Bill guy— he loves the Lord. He loves Jesus. He talks about it sometimes with me. And Why yes, did you use me? Let's use Rosie. Well, you're sitting right across me. Rosie. Rosie's right there. So well, I know use she Rosie. does. She does it all the time. So, yeah. right? Yeah. So, we too. So, is if you brought in people in your life and they had to testify about whether or not you were a Christian, would you be found guilty? Yeah. I sure hope we all would. Be. I would hope so, yeah. too. All right. So, what about some tools? So, look, there... There are a number of ministries out there that are gospel advancing ministries. Uh, Many of them say, this is the way that you are to share the gospel or this is the way that you are to share the gospel. Um, Most aren't that dogmatic that this is the only way. I think the best way to share the gospel is share the gospel. Um, I'll never forget reading a story about a missions pastor in a well-known church out in California. And they were going around this room with a whole bunch of missions pastors, and they are all sharing their gospel-advancing strategies. And the conversation came to this guy. Well, because he was from the largest and most famous church, all eyes and ears were kind of on him. And they said, okay, what is your church's gospel-advancing strategy? And his answer was, we share the gospel. And they all kind of laughed and said, no, really, what, what's your strategy? And he says, no, we we share the gospel. That's our strategy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really matter. We'll talk about a couple here next. I, it, it doesn't really matter if you use a tool or not use a tool or use a little booklet or don't use a booklet or, you know, um, there's, there's a little puzzle thing that you can use to, to share the gospel with people. If you feel comfortable using a tool and it will help you walk through it in a, in a kind of a systematic way, well, then use a tool. If you don't, if you just rather have a normal conversation with somebody then have a normal conversation. And I can guarantee you, each one of those conversations is probably going to be different. Now, here's a great prayer. And I often say this prayer before I go have lunch with somebody that I may not know very well or whatever. I say, Lord, you know what I know. And you know where this person is at. Use me in their lives. Mm-hmm. And you'll be surprised. Every gospel conversation will be different. Well. Wow. And I don't think anybody wants to feel that there's some technique
0: that's being applied to them. Correct. But you can always say, you know, this is something that
1: helps me keep my thoughts in order. Exactly. So one common tool is called the bridge diagram. And I've watched people do this bridge diagram actually all over the world. And it's actually a very simple diagram. You put the person on one side of a chasm, you put God on the other side of the chasm, and you say, you, say, you say basically this chasm is called sin, and it separates people from God. You then use a couple passages, whatever you happen to know, to describe God as holy and blameless and perfect, and then you use a couple of Bible passages to describe the, a person, that we are dead in our trespasses and sin, that we're far from God, that we're separated from him. And then we can cross out the sin by putting a cross in that chasm and say, but Jesus came to bridge the gap to be d- between man and God by dying for the sins of the world. And he says that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life if you just accept him. There's no crossing this chasm by works like we talked about. You can't buy your way into it. You can't work your way. Religion doesn't get you there. Only by faith in Christ can you cross over from death to life. And how exciting that that eternal life can
0: start instantly.
1: It can. The moment you believe and are saved, you have eternal life. Mm-hmm. So if It's a you, present possession. It is. And if you Google the bridge diagram, you can find many examples of... Um, uh, of a bridge diagram that you could put to memory, learn how to walk through it with somebody, and use that as a tool. Uh, another tool, do we have time to do no, Romans Road? A, or? We should
0: take a break and come back and do that. Jeff Verdorn is my guest. We're continuing our series on Who is This Jesus? This is episode number eight. So if you've missed any of them, they're all wonderful. We'll be right back in, in about a minute and a half. Thanks so much for listening to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. If you enjoy what you're finding here, consider subscribing to some of our other Faith Radio podcasts, like mine, for instance. You can search Suzy Larson Live at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. is your day going? I hope well. I hope you had a great day. We're talking to Jeff Verdorn and continuing our study on who is this Jesus. And today is all about the gospel. And we're going to talk now about another really wonderful presentation that could be very helpful for you. And it comes out of the book of Romans. Jeff,
1: take it away. So, um, Christians Christians have used, there we go, Christians have used this thing called the Roman's Road for a long time to uh, share uh, uh, several truths, biblical truths from the book of Romans um, that kind of arranged in a particular pattern, uh, paint a picture of of God's plan of salvation. It's actually really cool. So um, this is not mine by any means. This has been done for a while. Now, every version, there's a little version of... People have their own versions of the Roman Road. This is mine that we're going to walk through here really quickly. So I start with Romans three, uh, verse uh, ten through twelve. Basically, that says we are all under sin. Everyone, there is no one righteous, no not even one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned away. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans three twenty three. So that's the state of man. We need salvation. Because it says, we are dead. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23 then follows up and says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if you die in your sins, you are dead. You've never realized spiritual life. Remember Jesus to Nicodemus said, spirit gives birth to spirit. You must be born again to be saved. That's what that's about. And if you haven't believed, you are still dead in your trespasses and sins. The wages of sin is death. Mm-hmm. So, Jeff, we're at this point addressing what we consider the problem. That's the
0: problem. Exactly. The wages of sin is
1: death. Okay. So that's man's problem. Oh, mm-hmm. Now here comes God's solution. Ooh. Romans 5, 8. But God Turn demonstrated, it up. Turn it up, demonstrated his love for us in this. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died died for us. That's God's solution. Sin requires a sacrifice. God knows that it requires a sacrifice, so he became the sacrifice for us in the person of Jesus Christ. He died on the cross to take away the sins of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, but not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. Christ died for us. So we've covered the problem, and we've already gotten to the solution. Hmm. Others, I know there's more to come. There is more to come, because mm-hmm. even though Christ has died for everybody's sin, of course not everybody is saved. What you need to do is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ in order to be saved. So we read this earlier, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart. Oh, there's that word pistuyo in the Greek again. Believe in your heart that he's raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Goes on in verse 13 that says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God offers this salvation to everyone. Remember in Revelation chapter three, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. Whosoever opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. That's a picture of salvation. Mm -hmm. Jesus is knocking at the door of every single person's heart, and if you open that door, faith, put your faith in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Now, Jeff, just to expand on that verse a little bit, that is um, what
0: Jesus was saying to the church at Laodicea. Yep, Revelation chapter three. Which was a dead church. Yes. They were not appearing to be a dead church. They didn't have the, the appearance of it, but they were. They were. He was saying, if you let me in, I will eat with you and you will eat with me. I'll save you. I'll save you, yeah. Yeah, he calls
1: them wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. So, yeah. They we'll call have... that the direct approach. Yeah. <laughs> they were not saved. Mm-hmm. Romans five one. next step. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is a picture of justification. You were far away from God. Now you've been brought near to God. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Now you are alive and reconciled to the God of the universe. And you now have peace with God. You were once his enemies. You were far away. Now you are at peace with God, the creator of the universe. And now Romans 8.1, now that you're saved and you're reconciled to God, you've been justified, individually justified with God. He then says in Romans 8.1, therefore there is now. Oh, I love this verse. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. One of the great truths about salvation is the moment you're saved, you are forgiven of your sin, and God no longer counts your sins against you. Mm -hmm.
0: Jeff, I also would like to throw in, with your permission, Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved,
1: period. Yep. It's offered to every single person. And, um, you know, he demonstrated his love for us. Paul says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So who did Christ die for? Everyone. And I love that uh, 1 John 2 two verse that says he's the atoning sacrifice for everyone's sin so that now anyone can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. It's that Simple. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. If you are to close your eyes and seek God right now and call out to him and said, Lord, I want this eternal life that they're talking about on the radio, all you have to do is just say, I believe that you died and rose again. I entrust you for my salvation and my eternal life, and I thank you for saving me and saving me completely. And the gift of eternal life will, that will come in that very moment right then and there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Instantaneously. Instantaneous. And you can start living a
0: full, abundant life that God has promised, and you can start living out your eternity immediately because the gift of eternal life is with you
1: right at the point of salvation, and you are walking that out. It, it is. I mean, eternal life, if you think about the greatest gift that anybody can ever receive, I can't think of anything greater than the gift of eternal life. Hmm. And then finally my last one in my romans road version there's like I said some are a little mm-hmm. different than others but is romans 8 38 and 39 and it says this it's basically based on this eternal life that we were just talking about that once you are saved and have eternal life can you can you ever lose your salvation can you ever lose your eternal life and i think this and many many other verses in scripture declare that no you can't Ready? Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, the present nor the future, nor any power, nor any height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So look at at the picture. Scripture says that God holds you in his hand. Jesus says that he holds you in his hand and nothing can take you out of their hand. They're not in creation, right? And then he says, there is nothing else in all of creation that is able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Well, that pretty much includes everything else, including yourself, by the way. Mm -hmm. I am in creation. And God says, nothing in creation can now separate me from his love in Christ Jesus. That's what we call true biblical assurance of salvation. That the moment you're saved, you have been saved by God forever and ever. He says that your salvation is kept in heaven for you, shielded by God's power until the day of Christ Jesus. So he's the one that keeps you saved. Amen and amen. And Jeff, this sounds to me like good news. (laughs) Well, it is. It's great news. It is... um, It's news that's available to whosoever. Uh, It's not hard. In fact, I actually think that the ease of the gospel is one of those things that is a stumbling block for some people uh, who who say, it can't be this easy. What do you mean I'm going to get the greatest gift of all, the greatest reward of all just by believing? I got to do something in order to get there. And it's like, no, you can't. You can't do anything. So, yes. This is good news, and that's why it's called good news. Don't we have a hard time receiving simple, small things?
0: Yeah. And this is etern- t- eternal life, life in Christ, abiding in Him, belonging to Him, trusting in Him.
1: And it's oh, a free gift. It's absolutely free. And um, both Romans and Galatians make it clear, and Ephesians too. Uh, it can't be earned it mm-hmm. has to be received mm-hmm. as a gift It's yeah. ba- because it's based on what he has done, not based on what we have done. Mm-hmm. And this, this truth, back to this truth that nothing in all creation can separate us. I want you to know that there is no sin that can keep you from salvation. Christ died for all sin. There is nothing you've done that will keep you out of the kingdom. You mm-hmm. have to believe and be saved.
0: Jeff, I know we've got a little time left and not... Not a lot of time, but a lot of people have just heard the gospel now. Uh, And I want to just pray for the words that came into their heart right now. And let me just close in prayer. Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father, these beautiful words of the gospel that you've made clear that we have proclaimed, we have declared your good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection. We trust you for the results. We place it into the hands of Uh, you and everyone who's heard this message today, that they could respond to the gospel and be Mm -hmm. saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, brother. Great to be with you. Thank you. All right, Jeff, Rosie, everybody, that is a great show. Let's call it a day. And I will look forward to spending more time with you tomorrow. I hope you have a wonderful night as you lay your head on the pillow. Just be reminded, God has a beautiful plan for your life and he loves you. And you know what? I do too. See you tomorrow.